Welcome everyone to this live broadcast of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I'm here with Lou Weiss, who's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio and also the president of All Metals and Forge Group that makes open die forgings and seamless rolled rings for things like industrial gears you see in our background. If you'd like to find out more about those, go to steelforge.com. Joining us today is Anthony Nieves, who is a committee chair for the Institute for Supply Management's report on business for the services sector. As Anthony reminds us, it's the biggest sector of the economy. And Anthony, welcome to the show, and how's it doing? Good morning. Thank you for having me on the show. As always. How's our services sector faring? Well, when you look at the release uh, that came out this morning, composite index came in at 55.3. It's down ever so slightly month over month, uh, 0.6 percentage points from the 55.9 last month. And overall, um, this report has beat some of the expectations of the analysts out there. And looking at the four indexes that comprise this composite index, there were two indexes that declined that contributed to that slight pullback uh, for the services sector. That being uh, new orders, which came down two percentage points from the 57.6 to 55.6. And that tells us what's in the pipeline. And then employment contracted came from 50.2 to 47.4. But I'd like to put a little explanation, uh, put some explanation to that. The employment index, yes, we've had some layoffs out there in various companies in certain industries, but for the most part, what our respondents are telling us is that the restricted labor pool, the availability of suitable workers for the open positions and trying to backfill certain positions has caused them uh, not to hire as much as they had month over month. And it's been an ongoing challenge even before uh, we experienced the pandemic. But overall, um, our respondents are telling us that things still are okay, regardless of the pricing pressure, material shortages, and high inflation that we've been seeing in the months leading up to this release. And um, right now, it looks like uh, we'll still be on that path of growth from what they're telling us. Anthony, the services sector is uh, another area where I see robotics, automation coming into play in those areas where the jobs are repetitive and can begin to replace or augment the labor pool. Do you, and I know we see that in manufacturing. Do you see much of it in the services sector? Now, it's a great question, and I believe that in certain areas and certain tasks that have to be performed that can be replaced by technological advancements, that's just a natural evolution. The challenge remains that certain positions still require customer-facing and high-touch points of human beings. Um, yet, we see in quick-service restaurants, uh, fast food specifically, that they've put kiosks in place to kind of offset some of the um, uh, you know, challenges that are associated with not just um, labor and the availability of labor, but also the cost of labor. So things that, you know, trying to realize efficiencies and whatnot, but it's a little tougher in the services industry than it would be on the manufacturing side for sure. 
but definitely that evolution will take place. It has been taking place. Uh, on, on the report, there are two numbers that uh, are kind of contradicting each other. So I'd like you to explain it. You have the new orders, which dropped uh, over two points, and then you have a backlog of orders that went up eight and a half points. Um, Al. Why do you always have to give me the tough questions, Lou? No yeah. soft toss? You know, this is why you get points towards the yellow jacket. There you go. Well, the new order is, is what's in the pipeline. And so that cycle time could be, it's a lot shorter than what you see on the manufacturing side for sure. So it could be a few months to six months, but for the most part, it's usually uh, less than a quarter on the services side, depending on whether it inquire, uh, entails um, uh, services rendered versus tangible goods versus capital expenditures. So that is why when we see business activity that jump 1.6 percentage points, that's based on what happened in the preceding months. To your question on backlog, backlog is based on not just the activity that's happening now but it, or the past month, but it could be leading up to that month and it could be the trail end of that as well. And it has to do with logistical challenges more so than we've seen some of the demand come down a little bit, but this is more about logistical challenges. Even though things have become more efficient, we can see that on the supplier deliveries, which is also interrelated with the backlog, as well as inventories, we can see that supplier deliveries slowed a little bit. They're slowing faster, so it was up 0.6 percentage points. And we can see inventory replenishment. And I can get more detail on that because there's a two-prong perspective on that versus uh, looking at inventories contracting at 47.5, which tells you they're not replacing or replenishing inventories as fast. Got it. Got it. Anthony, the general feeling that we're beginning to hear in the mainstream media is that first half of 2022 will be negative GDP. The first quarter was minus 1.6. They're not quite sure, and they haven't come out with the number for the second quarter, which could be anywhere from minus one to plus one, but net negative for the first half of the year. How are your respondents feeling about the condition of the economy at the moment? You know, I, and looking at it, and people are saying that with that said, what you just uh, relayed to us, that information that we could technically be in a recessionary period uh, based on those numbers. But when you look at all the variables that, or the components of a recession, this would be really a unique situation because in history, we haven't had a recession where unemployment has been so low. You look at how low unemployment is, even though the jobs report came out, didn't add as many jobs in the past, and that's due more to the restricted labor pool I was talking about earlier. But the inverted yield curve has always been uh, a precursor as to indicating whether or not we're going into a recession. If that happens, that'll definitely put us over the top, even though um, we don't have the uh, high unemployment that's typically associated with uh, a recession. But going back to your question and looking at it, that our respondents feel, and this came out of the semi-annual forecast as well as what they're telling us um, in the current uh, report, is that things will continue to have this, we will still be on the path of incremental growth. Okay, we'll still continue to see growth. The challenge may be what headwinds do we encounter 
and what would happen going into 2023. The forecasts are and the projections are that we'll still see growth through the balance of the year, may not be the strong growth that we had seen in the first part of this year and the latter part of last year, which was you know, really strong growth. If you look at the 12 month running average for the composite index of over 60, and even with the last two months being the lowest on that 12 month running uh, measurement and, and average, it still um, is very high number. So we've always felt that wouldn't be sustainable over the long time having growth at that, uh, at that level. Do you think that um, the, the recession, the big one, is going to make it sometime around 23, mid 23? It depends. I think that right now what we're seeing is that we're almost talking ourselves into it. Uh, we have, we always we have, do. Yeah, we always do. We have, the, we have inflation, right? But inflation indications are that it's peaking, okay? Or it has peaked and it's starting to come back a little bit, down a little bit. We're seeing it in certain materials costs have, have been reduced in the last month. We know that fuel prices have come off ever so slightly. I like to see how that transposes into our pricing index next month. The other big thing is consumer demand has diminished a bit, right? So there's not the strong demand. And we went into this inflationary period with demand pull inflation. So if the demand comes down, we start getting a more availability on the supply side, um, these things will help us in getting, uh, you know, battling that inflation piece and the Fed will back off a bit. That doesn't necessarily translate into how the psyche and mindset of the investors and the analysts are on the street though. And that's the other big thing, but they're, they're, they're tied, but I also look at them as being mutually exclusive. So time will tell, I think to your question, Lou, that 2023, um, we could see that potential. The one thing is that if we do go into a recession based on what we're looking at, all those components that we were talking about, that it won't be as strong or as deep a recession as we've had in the past, simply because people are working. Right. Uh, actually, I'm, uh, I'm going to refer a comment over to uh, Tim uh, because you made a you made a statement, and I'm not 100% sure if it's uh, correct that the inflationary numbers. As, as I understand it, do not include fuel and food. Tim, I that's, throw this in your lap. That's correct. When they come out with inflation is at 8.4%, they are not including fuel and food for the obvious reason that if they did, it would be 12% would scare everybody. Terrible. Yes, but I'm going to also give you another variable on that. Okay. Even though, even though they don't factor in food and fuel, right? And we know that fuel costs are starting to come down a little bit. When you look at the deliverables, the output from whether it's manufacturing or on the services side, that fuel component works its way into total cost of ownership for products and services, right? It's just a matter of, and it does that because of, um, we have the distribution channel that both sectors rely on, overland trucking, right? That all factors into total cost of ownership and transportation and warehousing, wholesale trade. Those industries specifically are the intermediaries 
for for both sectors, but certainly more so on the services side when you're looking at disparate locations. Yes, clearly, price at the pump that's terrifying everybody. Uh, I think, yeah, Luke? Well, I was going to say, personally, and you heard me say this the other day with uh, Tim, uh, I, as a businessman, not as a, a Joe Schmo in the street, uh, as a businessman, I sort of like inflation. Prices go up, my prices go up. My prices go higher, the prices go higher. It's just... You know, great point, because, and this came out of comments from the respondents, um, they said they need to really analyze these cost increases across the board because they're not sure it's all just related to material costs and fuel costs, that it's pricing power based on demand and that there's excuses used or reasons used for raising prices. The other thing that came out of the semi-annual report is that revenues are up and margins are up for companies. So it just speaks further to what you're saying. You raise the price, you raise the price. That includes additional profit. Well, there's no doubt that the uh, major oil companies' margins are up. They're getting beat up about those margins at the moment from the administration. But we'll see where they invest their dollars with the United States trying to go electric vehicle for cars and trucks and boats and planes and trains. Well, one thing Think that... About it. One thing, that ticked, one thing that ticked me off was when uh, uh, the present administration decided to do away temporarily with the federal excise tax on gas, which is 18 cents. And then you go down to the pump and the price went down two cents. What happened to the other 16? It went into the pocket of the guy who owns the gas station. Not necessarily drop 18 cents a gallon. I think it's further up than just the guy that owns the gas station, right? He's probably the guy that's providing him with the fuel, right? That's yeah. where I think the money is. So the other thing is, think about this. If you're in the gas industry, fossil fuel industry, and everyone's pushing electric and, you know, no more production of cars, and you're going to strike while a fire is hot. And you're going to say like, you know, the heck with you. You're looking to pull the rug out from under me. So I might as well get mine while I can. And that's right. basically the mindset right now. Yes, that's called uh, grifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly the 60% of gas station owners who are independent, and many of them own just one gas station, probably are thinking that way, Anthony, that they they see uh, an end in sight. Uh, it may be five years, it may be 50 years, but they're feeling uncomfortable based on the last 100 years of pumping gas into cars, and that's gonna come to an end, or at least diminish dramatically as electric vehicles take hold. Yeah, and I think that it's not just the, as I mentioned earlier, it's not just the gas station operator, it's all that linkage, you know? Everyone's looking at it the same way and they're, you know, they're, they're keeping margins according to what they need to make or what they think they might lose. And so there's a lot of factors being, uh, you know, that's uh, factoring into their decisions. One thing that I don't understand right now about the fuel uh, industry is being that we have literally crucified Russia in every form that we can 
why are we allowing Russian fuel to be sold to American car users in the United States? Great question. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody's got a solid. No one's going to answer that. I mean, what is it, Valero? And uh, I forgot the other one. But there's, you know, there are two. Well, while you're on that topic, think about this. We're importing fuel, which costs us more than our own domestic production. And we shut down domestic production in, or limited it, I should say. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're doing stupid things, uh, as some administrations will do. Well, they may, you may want to say, we don't want to use up our fuel first. Let's use <laughs> up their fuel first. We'll pay a little more, but they'll run out before we will. Well, we actually just sold some of our reserves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy stuff. So, Anthony, we've talked a lot in the past about the transportation sector and how constrained it was, and there were three loads for every truck that was out there. Has that improved? Where does it stand today? You know, it's improved as far as, you know, thinking to where the ports were a few months back to where they are today, right? They went from over 120 container ships in the queue, in the queue off of uh, just out of the port of uh, Los Angeles and Long Beach, which handles over 30% of the uh, container freight coming in overseas, right? So that has dropped down more into the 20, 20 to 30 range of ships offshore. Still some capacity challenges with the offloading on the warehouse side, warehousemen, trucks, truck drivers, racks. That's still uh, some capacity issues there, but it's definitely a lot better than it was even going back four to six months ago. Uh, so we still have some challenges. We still have some bottlenecks. We still have slow rail service. All these have contributed to why we have uh, the backlog of orders uh, indexed where it is. Coupled with, um, you know, we can't forget about some of the plant closures we had over in China based on COVID cases. They've reopened, they've closed, they've reopened. That's also put um, a kink in uh, the supply chain as well. Yes, closing again, Lou. So what uh, we're not hearing a whole lot about, because we have so many good things in the news, like mass murders, war, so on and so forth, we're not hearing anything further, or at least I haven't heard anything further about the LA potential union strike that would really, really mess things up. Yes, it would, for sure. I don't think there'll be much sympathy from the general public in that regard. So hopefully they can have a workaround. Yeah, I think that's probably true that longshoremen are not going to be in the strong position that they have been in some past instances because we have gone through two years of unpleasantness, shall we say. So we'll see how that pans out, whether or not they decide to go on strike. Anthony, I'm always interested in how mining is doing because of the pressures on fossil fuels. Is mining holding its own? Is it improving or are we going to see a drastic slide? Well, right now they're toward the top. So that's a good thing for them, right? <laughs> they were always the anchor in the past. Right. Yeah. Well, so again, all we had 18 industries on the composite reflecting growth, 15 industries in the business activity reflecting growth. So uh, overall, 
where we had some pullback is on the retail side based on consumer demand that we've been talking about. So overall, the, the sector's doing quite well. How long it, it's, it sustains that level, um, time will tell. But I think um, where we are right now, we're not going to see any uh, strong decline in the next few months. Might see a little sideways movement, a little dip here and there, but anything major. Hopefully, the employment number comes back next month. Uh, you know, the summer is always tough, even though we have seasonal adjustments. The summer is where we're experiencing holidays and vacations and some closures. Um, the other thing is we're seeing a shift in the consumer spend, too. Not so much on tangible goods, but more so on experiences, vacation and travel. But now we see the challenges with the airlines, uh, with flight cancellations and everything else. It's just... You know, every time you think you're moving in a positive direction, there's another roadblock or impediment to be thrown in its way, right? I, I was one lucky. I was one lucky guy last week. I went to uh, three cities and uh, sorry, four cities in three days and five flights. I did not have one problem with any of my five flights. I think that if anyone would have bet on it, they would have lost. Well, two reasons why. It was you, and were you wearing that yellow jacket? Um, <laughs> no, I was actually wearing yellow Hawaiian. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, but so, I, was, I was really surprised that I did not have any problems, no cancellations. Uh, Newark, of course, uh, we got to Newark when I came home. We got there 20 minutes early. We sat on the tarmac for an hour because there was another plane in the spot because I maybe they didn't know we were coming. You know, who knows? And it took me two and a half hours to get home from the airport, which normally only takes an hour. So it could have taken me as long to go from the airport to my home as it did from Florida to Newark. Wow. Well, you're one of the positive experiences out there from what yes. I've heard. Yes, uh, they're horror stories. Horror stories. Yeah. It's clearly a mess. The airline didn't anticipate pilots retiring, apparently. <laughs> and now they're catching on. Anthony, this number today, a good solid number, equates to what in GDP for the services sector? On an annualized basis, 1.9%, which is you know, quite the fall off from what we were experiencing uh, just a few months back when it was up in that 3.5 range uh, with the higher composite index. But 1.9, anything positive, we'll take it. Um, I think that, you know, again, we don't know where these numbers are gonna go in the next month or two, but I feel based on what the respondents are telling us and, and what the numbers are saying that you know, we should be north of the 50 baseline and that's, the, that's all we can hope for at this point. So here's my opinion in forecast. I believe that, as you said in the beginning of the show about the summertime and vacations and companies are now back to shutting down for two weeks for maintenance and so on and so forth. So I think generally speaking, the summer generally you do lose business. Uh, there's less business to be done. But historically, in my world, uh, September, October, November is the beginning of our marketing year. 
September, October, November always are terrific. So I see no reason why that won't be the case now, especially Same. preceded by the summer. Same holds true in services. We always see September as being that pivotal month to gear up for the holiday season. Retail Correct. starts having to, you know, bring their stuff in and others are getting ready. And, you know, we usually see that all the way right up until Christmas. You have that little bit of lull from the tail end of December into the first half of January. And then there's usually a pickup the end of January. You don't see those numbers until February, maybe March. You know, it's, it's, it's historical. The yeah. last two years kind of took that off the track. They don't count. Yeah. The last two years don't count. Yeah, good and bad. Well, Anthony, we appreciate you being with us on Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we appreciate the Institute for Supply Management allowing you to join us and share this important report with our listeners and our viewers. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate being on the show, and you all have a great day. You as well. You take care now. Thanks. For those of you who are online watching this, whether it's on your iPhone or iPad or some other device, surf over to ismworld.org where you can find the report or join us at jacketmediaco.com where you can find all of our podcasts, including Manufacturing Talk Radio. And thanks for being with us on this live broadcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.